Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on talk radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of badass power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all-new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three, four! This is the Badass Women's Hour live in partnership with the W Hotel. Oh, hello, hi, my name's Harriet Minter. I'm a journalist and broadcaster. Thank you so much for attending. This is the Badass Women's Hour uh, live at the W Hotel. Thank you very much for hosting us, guys. A round of applause for So, um, just so you know, it is a panel event, hence all these beautiful people at the front. Um, we're going to have a little bit of chat and discussion, but we will invite questions in from you guys towards the end. However, if halfway through you are dying to say something and it is so important, it just cannot go unsaid, stick your hand up and wave at me and I will make sure we bring you in. Um, it is the Badass Women's Hour, so we ask you to please do not hold back on your opinions. We want to hear them. The more radical, the better, although all Donald Trump voters leave now. <laughs> um, uh, I am chairing tonight, so I will try and keep us to time. Um, but after we finish, we do always have little drinks reception. <coughs> outside there, so please come and join us, have a drink with us, hang out for a little bit afterwards. So, to kick us off, I'm going to ask the panel to introduce themselves, and we're going to start to my left, Sarah-Jane. Hello, um, I'm Sarah-Jane Mee, I am the anchor of Sky News' breakfast show, Sunrise. It's very weird to be talking with people staring at me, <laughs> <laughs> stare at a camera and have no instant reaction, so it's a little bit strange, sorry. Uh, so, hello. Thank you. Natalie Campbell, one third of Badass Women's Hour. Hello. <laughs> you know, we see someone in the audience, I didn't know you were here. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I think to um, follow on from what Harriet was saying, this has been an amazing journey. This is the first one of 2017, and we only started this in May last year. So it feels fabulous to be sitting here talking about women in the media, which is our topic for tonight, given we are now women on national radio. <laughs> <laughs> It's my turn. <laughs> Just for more. Hello, I'm Harry. Um, I am digital features editor at Stylist Magazine, um, and I edit the Ask a Feminist column. So, 
if you haven't heard of it, please check it out. Um, we do weekly opinion pieces on topical feminist issues. Um, if you've got an idea, email me. Um, yeah, that's me. Thanks. Hi, everyone. My name's Kate. Um, I'm the vice president at a company called Refinery29. We're a media company for women. Um, originally started in the US, but recently we've come to the UK, and we are all about representing and progressing and inspiring women. And I'm Emma, the other third of Badass Women's Hour. I'm also the founder of Make Your Words Work, which is a design agency, and Flock, which is a global network for entrepreneurs. Fabulous. Thank you very much. So if you've been to one of these events before, you know that we always kick off with a bit of a news summary. We like to challenge our panellists and ask them to bring stories that has had particular interest or resonance for them this week. And Kate, I think you're going to start us off. Yeah, I am. I, I saw this interesting story this week, um, which was about a, an air stewardess on a, on a flight in the US who identified a um, young woman that um, she was concerned about. It transpired that she was a victim of human trafficking and was, uh, in the end, saved from, from that situation. Um, as a result of that, and probably alongside that, actually, I believe, that they've been doing training in the US to help air hostesses and other people identify potential victims of um, human trafficking. I think the reason I'm picking this story, A, is because that's an issue that you know, I very much care about and I think is, is something that, that probably needs more attention from us um, in the media, um, but also because it shows that as individuals, as women, um, you know, we have the power to notice and we have the power to create change at an individual level and then perhaps um, with lots of individual levels at a greater level. So it was inspiring to me, and that's why I brought it to the table. Thank you. And then what I loved about that story when we were discussing earlier was the fact that we actually, I think, we kind of almost take the mickey sometimes, had bear hostess. We kind of say, oh, yeah, it's the, the job where you push the trolley and you take people onto the air, aircraft and let them And we forget that actually they're trained to save lives, they're there to get you off in case of an emergency, and they are people actually that could have a much, much bigger remit in society. And so, Jane, you were saying um, you've actually done kind of a piece on this and it became a much bigger issue, which is how we spot human trafficking. Oh, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting because air hostesses are points of contact and they're points of contact for hundreds, thousands of people each week and month. And we've done a lot about human trafficking on Sky News. It's been particularly pertinent with the refugee crisis. A lot of people just simply going missing, particularly young ch children and women. And we did have um, a guest in from um, a charity uh, against human trafficking and they were saying that we're all points of contact and it's up to us and it feeds into our media theme really about asking questions just asking questions of people you meet and one of the big examples in London that she used is you know I'm guilty of this I like going to get my nails done it's my little treat once every two weeks and a lot of human trafficking the victims of that are working in nail bars they're hiding in plain sight if you like, and she actually challenged me on air and said, do you know about the woman that does your nails? And I have a, a woman called Amelia, and she's from Latvia, and, you know, we have a bit of chat, but I don't really know her that well, and I certainly never asked how she was, if she was okay. felt like a really weird conversation to have after I'd been asked by this, this campaigner. So the next time I went in, I just had a chat with her and asked her about her personal circumstances, not a are you okay, are you a victim of human trafficking? <laughs> just inquired a bit more, and turns out she's got a lovely Brazilian boyfriend, that she showed me pictures of their holiday in Italy that they'd saved up for, and I felt okay, and that that establishment I was going into every couple of weeks was reputable, and the girls in there were being looked after, but I think the key point that, that you bring up is air hostesses, you know, they spot, they 
know what travellers look like. They know the families going on holiday, the businessmen and businesswomen, and they are in a prime position to spot if something's a little bit suspicious, whether it be a drugs trafficker or a human trafficker. Um, but what it taught me is just to ask questions. And like I said, yeah. victims are hiding in plain sight. So it's up to all of us to sort of ask questions, particularly with people in low-skilled jobs. Matt, Audience you... poll, I shouldn't say. How many people here would know what to do if they thought they were with someone that was being trafficked or someone said, help me, I'm being trafficked? No, I wouldn't. I okay. wouldn't know One, what to do. Two, maybe. Like if I identify somebody, what, what, what would I then do? Do you call the police? Like, what do you... That was the, that was the yeah. advice, to, to go to police okay. and, and raise a concern. And then handing it over then aren't you for them to go through the right procedures to yeah. make inquiries and you know it's a very it's a very bold thing to go to the police about anything I mean you know I've had you know my car broken into before and it's you know quite daunting to go to police station even for that um but she did say if you do have genuine concerns you have a gut feeling about things don't you if something's not right so I just think it's always better to err on the side of caution. That's what she said. Because the police could go in there, ask a few questions of the owners, of the people in yeah. there, and it could all be perfectly fine. But just for that sort of 20 minutes, half an hour out of your day to go into the police station and just flag it up. It all ties <coughs> in quite nicely, though. I think a lot of what's come out, like post-marches, was about everyone taking a bit of note, getting, taking more time to get to know the people that are in your in your life to understand the different perspectives. We've talked a lot about that on the radio show, haven't we, about that intersectionality and yeah, it sort of all ties in with a bit of a, a yeah. theme of, yeah, just have more conversations with people. And I think that's exactly which is have more conversations and actually ask because there's so much stuff that we just take as standard until somebody challenges it. Mm -hmm. And Harry, your story kind of picks up on this idea of actually what happens when somebody does challenge something that everyone has taken as standard. Well, I feel like it feels a bit light after our, this conversation now, so it's like you're regretting my uh, new story choice. But um, I was really interested in the recent story that the Women and Equalities Committee had sort of revealed via a study that um, numerous women were suffering from sort of low-level discrimination at work from, you know, dye your hair blonde, have a manicure wear a shorter skirt, or obviously, you know, wear high heels in the workplace. And I think that kind of brings us back to that Nicola Thorpe story I'm sure all of you have heard, um, where she was forced to wear high heels to work and she refused and then was um, sent home without pay. And also, you know, this recent kind of Donald Trump, I like my female staff to dress like women, you know, is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And, and, and people kind of pick up on that really quickly. You know, I dress like a woman, I'm a surgeon or an astronaut or whatever it may be um, and I think that's really interesting because I think now in this age of social media you can't say anything without it being picked up on and then the media actually brings those kind of grassroots movements to the fore um, you know there's so many hashtags that are trending every day but it really takes sort of one journalist even to say god I've noticed this is happening I've noticed that's happening um, I'm going to write about it and sort of expose this and I think that's really interesting it's like you know you might you might think, God, it's nothing. Someone's asked me to wear heels to work. I'll just wear them. Or, you know, it's nothing. You know, I'll just have my manicure without asking anything. But it's really kind of calling those things out. And I think we're in a society now where we call things out a lot. And that's brilliant. And that's a lot to do with that kind of interaction between the social media and the media. 
Um, Emma, how do you feel when you see something that you're not happy about? Are you okay to call it out, or do you feel like, should I call it out? Can I put it on Twitter? Yeah, I, I definitely call it out, but I definitely think with social media, I'm, a, I'm much more mindful before I'm ranty. Because I think what social media gives for me is it gives me some different perspectives. And with all the news stories that have been going on, there's been some stuff that I've thought, and then I've seen a couple of news stories or some really great articles and gone, oh my goodness, I just would never have thought of it from that mm. perspective. And actually, I don't even know if I can, I can stay true to that point of view anymore. So I, I'm much more mindful, I think, yeah. I just want to say, ladies, I did this for you. This place, <laughs> this outfit for you. You didn't ask me to. <laughs> you didn't need to. Ask, well, I wasn't saying women you. should not be allowed to adorn themselves and enjoy that. Please enjoy Maybe it, obviously. Today. <laughs> but there's such a hangover, isn't there, yeah. about women being judged of values on their looks. And I'm just like, we still have that now. I feel mm. like that should just be... Like Try being on the telly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Do you have right. a lot of comments yeah. about your appearance? Every it? day, I will. My Twitter feed is, I would say, at least forty percent about what I'm wearing. Yeah. Women, women are very supportive. They'll be like, "Oh, where's your dress from? You look great today." Da da. Men are like, "Why are you wearing trousers? <laughs> we don't want you in trousers." No. You know, it's, <laughs> it's all that kind of thing. And we had the debate on air about the um, the woman that was made to wear high heels. And, um, you know, I said on the TV, it's my choice to wear heels to work. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure if I wore flat shoes in the TV studio, lots of people, the Daily Mail will pick up on it. Yeah. TV newsreader in flats, <laughs> you know, in the horror. studio. Shock, shock horror. But it's my choice to wear heels because it's like putting on a uniform. Yeah, I feel yeah. taller, I feel smarter. It's my work uniform. I'm glamming up because, you know, I'm on TV. I don't want to go on TV how I would look at home because... Yeah. You know, you're not in the, the right frame of mind then. And I got a lot of abuse on Twitter going, how dare you say it makes you feel glamorous to wear heels and, you know, it helps you do your job better. It doesn't make me help my... It doesn't make me help do my job yeah. better. It just puts me in the right frame yeah. of mind. That's when you go, if I want to yeah. wear he high heels, I'll wear high heels. If you want to wear trainers, yeah. wear trainers. It's all about personal choice. But, but I also I think, think it's... Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I think for us is that we see it as self-expression. Mm. So I think how you choose to show up, how you choose to um, dress, how you choose to have your hair, how you yeah. choose to do your nails, is a form of self-expression that should be cherished and celebrated. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes us unique. I think it's just as important that we ensure that people feel like that um, in every single sector, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether you're mm -hmm. in the gym, whether it's in a club. This is about people being who they are. But I think being on telly, just to that point, there was a really good story recently um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Julia from um, Loose Women. And oh, she Nadia wore, Sawala Nadia, yeah, she wore the same... No, yeah, exactly. She <laughs> wore the same outfit... Eight days in a eight row. Eight days in a row before somebody noticed. Oh. Because oh. she, she had a yeah, bet with somebody how long it would take. The snakeskin blouse. And she's yeah. like, how long will it take for someone to notice? And it was really interesting, that whole statement. Um, as I say, for me, I think, you know, I'm very happy in a boardroom in a pair of jeans and um, mm -hmm. I think anywhere that, that, that you can do that um, is a place that, that personally I want to work so ultimately from a business perspective you know I, I run a business I want a vast array of talented brilliant people to work in my business for them to come and want to work in my business they have to feel comfortable they have to feel themselves and they have to be able to express who they are so everyone's how, how comfy can they be though because we've had Super this comfy. there and Natalie has a big that like could they just come in I, I, I did once interview somebody and she turned up in post-workout gear for an interview and I was I've got to say I was like a pleasure 
She's on trend. I've gone to the shops. It was like I've done a spin class and come to an interview. Oh yeah. But I think there's a real adult, right? You can choose what you want to wear. And there's a difference between you know the kind of counter argument. Yeah, but I judge her on that really. In a bad way. I mean, you get the kind yeah. of counter-argument of men saying, but you know we have to wear a tight tie, and it's obviously not comparable at all. Mm. Yeah. But there is a difference between kind of presenting yourself in a professional manner and turning up to work in a onesie. Obviously, you know, nobody's suggesting that that's what people should do or kind of come all sweaty after spin class or whatever it may be. <laughs> but it seems to always be kind of emphasise on the female yes, side so and it's like oh you know yeah. let's focus on what the woman looks like and instead of what she's capable of yeah. at work who cares you know who's to say whether heels are smarter this is a kind of construct that's been created yeah. this is not the reality women didn't kind of come out of the womb wearing stilettos and then they're smart you know <laughs> yeah. so I think that's really interesting and men just simply aren't judged in the same way you know the kind of suit is it's obviously a lot more difficult for women to be judged as smart because we're much more kind of fluid in the way that we dress which is a, something that we're lucky about but also you know once you're wearing a suit that's it whereas a woman is judged for you know <coughs> has she got an afro that's apparently unacceptable now has she got nail varnish on she should is she blonde you know there's a whole level of mm. sort of sartorial you know expectations around women that has absolutely nothing to do with their professionalism. Yeah, and I the Harrods that's... one was neat and tidy for men, but women, even down to you've got to have a manicure. It's like, yeah. Yeah, guys have a manicure. I've seen men with nails. So one place that we are no longer asking people what they wear is on the red carpet, because that question is now banned. It's not banned, but it's like frowned upon if you asked it. You get um, told off by celebrities now on, if you ask yeah, that. Yeah, Meryl Streep has taken you out. <laughs> um, but Sarah Jane, your story is about the new thing that celebrities are going to be talking about on the red carpet. Their point of activism, the one thing they care about. Yeah, I mean, we saw this with Meryl Streep um, collecting an award um, a month SAGs, or so. Yeah, yeah, the SAGs, yeah, a couple of weeks ago now. And she gave her view on Donald Trump winning the US election, unsolicited. It was an acceptance speech. Um, and celebrities are being asked their point of view on the red carpet. And <coughs> something we were discussing on Sky News this week is should celebrities get involved in politics uh, Tom Hiddleston a few months ago it wasn't about politics he got up and started talking about his charity work in uh, Syria I think it was uh, with Save the Children and there was a point where a lot of it cut to you know people in the audience just looking at him as if to say where has this come from you've just won something from the night manager and now we're hearing about Syria so is there a time and a place for celebrities to use their views on their core celebs, if you like, um, or politics, or should they just stay out of it? I think Twitter has opened the floodgates. Anyone can get involved mm. in politics or, you know, charitable causes or um, anything like that. And celebrities are getting involved as well. Just today I was reading about J.K. Rowling, who does some great put-downs on Twitter, but she was calling out Donald Trump. Ricky Gervais got involved, you know, and it was this whole sort of cycle of Donald Trump tweeting and then right of Harry Potter tweeting and Trump supporters burning her books. So it's just an interesting point. Should celebrities use their platforms to put across their own personal opinions or should they just keep it shut? And is, you know, yeah. what they're doing escapism? I mean, it was interesting, wasn't it? All the celebrities that came out for Hillary Clinton during her yeah. campaign didn't make an ounce of difference. Yeah, good point. Because, I mean, I can't log on to Netflix without seeing another Leonardo DiCaprio documentary about cows. Oh, God. He loves the cow farts. He loves the cow And he has turned one of my flatmates vegan, which is causing serious issues yeah. in our house. So, like, um, 
it is it pointless or are they actually doing some good? I think so. Remember when celebrities weren't making a statement about anything at all, and we were like, okay, you're happy to take our money and appear on screen and yes, entertain us, but the world is in some serious shit, and you're saying nothing. But they're doing their job. They're they doing are their job doing to their job. It's not their job to tell us. It's their not. Politics. But I think they are also humans, and they should also be authentic to who they are. Mm -hmm. And given where we are in the world. Making a statement, I don't necessarily know if an awards ceremony is always the right environment. Personally, I would do it. I would take every opportunity to be like, this is shit, <laughs> fix it out. And you'd be plugging badass women's out. Always, always. <laughs> I'm wearing a t-shirt. Um, so I, I think you, the platform you have, you should use it to promote the things that you are passionate about, especially if they are global issues, global conversations. I also think that if politicians like that guy, I'm not going to say his name, um, have the platform like Twitter to broadcast. Realistically, who else has the same volume of platform to make those announcements? It's celebrities. Theresa May tweeting something isn't going to anyone going to get anyone looking. You know, it's it has to be a celebrity for us uh, for it to be in the public consciousness. Ultimately, celebrities have that. Trump is a, is a celebrity in a certain way. Well, that's the irony, isn't it? He is the ultimate sort of Twitter celebrity reality TV star, and he's right at the heart of global politics. Yeah. What do you think, Kate? Because you obviously find you have quite a young audience. Mm. Are they? Do they care about celebrities? Or do they care about? Is it celebrity in a different way than we see it? Is it not Hollywood? Is it Instagram? Um, look, I think this is about influence, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's lots of celebrity is a is a is a word which which means very little in the sense that it, it means someone who is celebrated for their work, for their influence. So today, yeah, I mean, obviously there's Leonardo DiCaprio, there's the influencer, social influencer community, there's the journalists and the writers on Twitter, and, and then also <coughs> those brands. You know, Refinery29 is an influencer. We have a voice. We use that platform every day. We're also a platform for other people to use their platform. So, you know, we did a big piece this week... Um, had an exclusive which was uh, written a, a piece about um, Charles Sandberg donating to Planned Parenthood. Now, we had the exclusive on that, and that was picked up incredibly widely. That was an, that was a, a a different kind of statement. She's not a celebrity. It's not an yeah. award show, but it's still a statement. And from my perspective, I think, as a media organisation, we love to see authentic mm -hmm. statements of intent from celebrities and from people who have that platform. Um, and in the same way that I wouldn't tell somebody, you know, you have to wear heels to work, I also wouldn't say, shut up, you're just an actor. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think that's probably my I personal position on it. I think it's all changing now. And now, like, we don't have these, like, set channels that we had, like, 20 years mm -hmm. ago. Yeah, exactly. And now the channels have become the celebrities. So the celebrity is almost the old TV channel. You know, that mm -hmm. celebrity stands for what they, what they deliver mm -hmm. entertainment-wise, activism-wise. Mm -hmm. So I think there's just a shift now where we've got, should be should be should we be questioning their authenticity? The case in point this week, David Beckham. I was just that's oh, exactly yes. what so my yeah. down the front. Yeah, you had yeah. a comment you wanted to that's make. That's exactly you... what I was going to say. Mm. You know, he's got a voice. Obviously, he's got a lovely voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's not that lovely. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
But that was his reps. Oh, yeah. I think the flight thing we have to be quite careful about because those yeah. were his reps yeah. and the flight never happened. Yeah. And I think, I mean, obviously I spring to the defence of David Becker, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but where it's someone else, I might not be so defensive. But I feel like, you know, how many of us have sent those kind of enraged text messages, those yeah. kind of absolutely, <laughs> yeah. you know, absurd, angry yeah. text messages to our friends, our partners, our, you know, colleagues saying, you know, effing and blinding this, that and the yeah. other. Mm -hmm. Then you send it and you feel much better and you're like, well, obviously I'm not a knight. I don't, you know, I'm not going to stand yeah. up in front of the world and say, you know, they're a bunch of, you know, see you next Tuesdays or whatever. But what does that mean? Um, <laughs> <laughs> not a very nice. <laughs> I, I don't really know what the swearing protocol is here. Um, you know, so I, I, I feel like that leak is quite an unfair way to judge him, I would say, but I don't know Sorry. if I'm being too but nice. But what about like, when the Spice Girls were, were suddenly ambassadors? Does that not lose some credibility for the organisations there? I guarantee you there's a whole swathe of children who yeah. had no idea who yeah. Nelson Mandela was until they stood next to him. Yeah. Yeah. So they know that's the sad, sad fact. That's the sad but fact. They know him as the man that stood next to Jerry as opposed to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's that dude next to Jerry and why should he be there? But I think ambassadors in general, this is a... They bring great attention and press and media to causes um, that is... You know, these... They are asked to do these things as well. It's not. It's not. It's sometimes a relationship that they. Oh, would you come and do this? Yes, I would. I'd like to lend my support to that. So I think we also have to um, have to recognise that people who are trying to make a contribution, um, whether it's in a public platform, whether it's on Twitter, um, even if maybe we don't like that contribution sometimes, right? And that can sometimes happen. Um, I think it's it's up to people to express themselves as individuals. Put yourself in this scenario, though. You've been working your arse off. You have, you're the best in your industry. Worked your arse off. You give your time voluntarily and money. You've been through some shit and you've been dragged through the paper and you, you've been you know, a bit tarnished at work and you've worked a, a long time to, to clear your name and be nice to your colleagues and do all of the stuff that you think you need to do to rebuild your, your character because you want that top job. You want that award. You want that recognition. And you find out that after all of that you're not going to get it it was the one thing you kind of really wanted what would you send in an email because i'd be it, like have said it publicly you mother clucking fuckers <laughs> need to sort my shit out that's what i would have said and that's why reading it i was like well it's what anyone would have done if you had your eye on something that you didn't get and you feel like you should have got it the rest of it is kind of things he has access to is it really that important but, you know, we don't know his motivations, but if you think about it like a career and you're going for, you've got to the top place within your industry and then there's an accolade that that gives you some worth and they've both talked about their own insecurities. That's the thing he's, he's got his eye on and he, he now doesn't have it. I'm sure it will change. We were talking earlier about the fact if it was Victoria, it would be the... the um, the way it was reported, the press would have absolutely gone to town. He mm. has got off lightly because mm. he's a man. If it was her, it would be on every single talk show, the front of every single paper. It would be like Brand, Beckham, completely done. It was always her. She was the cow. No wonder he cheated on her. That's what they would have said. I don't, I don't, actually, do you I know what? Know. Thinking about that, I don't know if that's true because Ooh. I'm just thinking back to David Beckham uh, when he got sent off in the Euros in disgrace and they burned effigies of him in, uh, in the street. I don't, I think he's, it's because of the brand he's built up, the persona, I think there's so much goodwill towards him, because um, he has he has had some rough treatment in the past, so I don't necessarily think it's a, a male-female 
divide this time. I think it's based on personality. Everyone mm. loves David Beckham. They're just a little bit more suspicious and of Victoria class, for whatever reason. And I think that I think people might be raining against <laughs> an working class Essex boy being that upset about a knighthood. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I, think, I think that I think if he if he if he has got an easy time, which I'm not so sure that he has, I think it's because, and I hope it's because, in the grand scheme of things, who really gives up? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I honestly like you know yeah. David Beckham sends email about knighthood that he hasn't got. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, more annoyed about honestly. the fact that he got hats. Uh, yeah. 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 Who, who cares? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. this is like this is a non. This is we're talking about the media. This is like the this is the bit of the media that I'm like next. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to talk more generally about the media, Kate, and I'm going to pick up on that point, which is because that's the bit of the media that we're like seriously, are we still talking about this shit you know, ten years later. How do we change it, and is it changing? Because I sometimes feel that it's just getting worse. We sidebar of shame our way through our days, and like, even I have occasionally looked at the sidebar of shame, and it's almost more than my job's worth. So, like, um, we are obsessed with kind of instant fixes, instant outrage, instant provocation. Is media getting better, or are we actually just getting really, really light? I mean... I think the the great news about the media is that there is more choice than ever for you guys as consumers to consume the media that you want. Um, digital has allowed um, everyone to be a publisher. The barriers to entry on what was a very closed world, um, a very elite world, have been broken down and there are lots and lots of different places and different platforms through which you can access opinion and news um, and um, to inform yourselves about the subjects that matter to you. That's a great thing. And um, is that, having all those options, Harry, does that help? Or is that actually a little bit of why we've got this kind of fake news epidemic because nobody knows where to go? I think that's a really difficult thing about the way we kind of distribute digital content. journalism, yeah, content in a digital world, is that, you know, I was, I was saying earlier that sort of content has become quite homogenised now and it's really difficult to, to know, you know, this is The Telegraph, this is a BBC, this is Stylist, this is a Refinery29, and a flat level, we're all covering the same news in a very similar way and actually, um, you know, a lot of it has to be enticing and I won't say clickbait because that's, you know, a different thing or fake news or, you know, that's a kind of different kettle of fish but you're kind of enticing, you have to entice your readers to consume your content in a way that, you know... 50 years ago you didn't have to, you present them with a newspaper, they consume it, they read it or they don't, but you're still publishing your copy. Um, and now it's, you know, it's all about the numbers and I think that changes things a lot. I think in terms of fake news, you know, that is something that has to almost be tackled kind of via, through Facebook. I suppose you have a kind of number of trusted um, organisations that you go to for your news and I wonder if that will eventually sort of steer away from Facebook. You know, they said something like 73 or 5% of people that believed a fake news story were sourcing 90% of their news in, you know, through Facebook. So I don't know if that will change things and there'll be sort of destination news in the way that we've gone away from recently and that'll sort of be an interesting development, I think. I, I think when you think about there being a lot of content and covering things in the same way, I, I would argue that in a way that's like not actually... That's not how uh, certainly how we see the world. I think what we think of is it's really really important now as a media, as somebody who works in media, as a as a media business, that we have a really really clear brand and we have a really really clear reason to exist. So for Refinery, 
we have a mission which is very, very clear about representing and progressing and inspiring women. And everything we do has to live up to that standard because once you break that trust, once you erode that brand, you have nothing. And that means that we consider that in the images, the stories, the brand partners we work with. And actually it holds us to an incredibly high standard that we work to every day. And I think that's actually... That responsibility, that commitment, that focus is really important to build audience today. But it also creates a really healthy kind of check and balance on editorial that perhaps if it was a world where there were four partner there were four places you could get the news and that was it, you wouldn't have to do that. Because yeah. that's yeah. it, there's like a, an old media and a new media. The new media is very much what you're doing at Refinery, which is where you're building a brand, you have a brand personality, you know what you're going to talk to and what you're going to stand for. And then there's like the old media that seems to be using the clickbait and the headlines and the like, it's like really shouting for attention, isn't it? And like competing. And I feel like there's these two worlds, the new stuff and the old Sarah stuff. Sarah Jane, as somebody who's technically <laughs> old media, <laughs> 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 I know where this link is going. <laughs> media on your TV breakfast show. I know, with a me. fresh new face. <laughs> um, well, uh, we'll see you in the morning after the Do you feel that level of like, we've, well, so two questions really, do you feel that level of we've got to make this clickbait worthy so that somebody turn, puts down their phone and watches TV and when you're turning around a news programme as fast as you do each day mm. and particularly at the pace of news at the moment, how do you ensure like what's the process? For somebody who's not in it, how do you go, okay, this is a story that we know to be accurate, we want to cover it, we know what the facts are? Okay, so, um, I think the worst phrase I've heard recently is mainstream media, which sounds harmless enough, but it's actually being thrown around as a point of abuse at the moment, um, mainly because of, I won't say his name again, I've said it enough. Um, but we're finding ourselves under more pressure than ever before to fact-check everything. I mean, we do anyway. To go to air with a story, it has to come from a credible source. Yeah. The BBC, I think, have to have two, or is it three sources they have before they put something to three. air? Three sources. We'll go with two. Yeah. Um, Sky's a lot faster. Yes, yeah, Sky <laughs> is a lot faster. Um, and we're under pressure like never before. I mean, an this is a ridiculous example, but this just shows you the hysteria that is around news at the moment, because People are now viewing media like never before and deciding not to trust it. I don't trust the mainstream media. Well, hang on a second. It's not my job to misinform you. It's not my job to, you know, tell lies. I'm here to, you know, report and challenge facts. If my guest says black, I say white. It's not my personal opinion. Yeah. But whatever's on there, I have to get the counter-argument across and it has to be balanced and we have to explore those facts. But... The other day, um, we had um, we were doing something about gorillas in Uganda and a conservation project. I saw that. And we had yeah, you we had, had an animatronic in gorilla in the <laughs> studio. It was a guy in a big gorilla suit um, with a head on, and another guy over there operating the face on computer. I mean, it was really realistic. It freaked me out a little bit. Batuate was his name. You can see it on YouTube. And um, he was roaming around the studio, and we did this five-minute segment. We did a Facebook Live, and the caption at the bottom was animatronic ape or something like that and the amount of abuse we got going fake news it's fake news it's not a real gorilla everyone <laughs> it says it on the screen and i'm asking you if is the man in the suit okay you know it's just ridiculous but there is this hysteria to pounce on everything so hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sky News and other uh, old news media are under more scrutiny than ever before. And I think that is a good thing. But I, it just annoys me that people are now coming at, at us from an angle of distrust. Mm. And anything they hear that they don't like, they say, that's not right. Well, just because it's not your opinion doesn't mean it's not right. You know, there's room for all, for all opinions on Sky News. But people have got to a point where, because <coughs> they read news that is catered for them and their mm. opinion, whether it be fake news or whether it be articles that appear on an algorithm in Facebook that fits in with their viewpoint, they see it in mainstream media and they don't agree with it, it's fake news and it's driving me mad at the moment. It's that echo chamber <laughs> idea, you're kind of bouncing yeah. back the same yeah. ideas and, you know, I think that's part of the problem. I think we need to kind of step out of our echo chambers yeah. and think, you know, we're all sort of like, oh my God, how did Brexit happen? And, you know, if you step out of the London yeah. bubble, media bubble especially, you think, oh right, this is why, because everyone, you know, and I think that's something that, you know, not just mainstream but all media you know, needs to kind of push out there a bit yeah. more, and I think I yeah. think that's starting to happen. Pull the audience, pull the audience first, because I'm I'm keen to see how everyone else is responding to this. Who now vets their news sources <coughs> in terms of the the information? Yeah, and how do you do that? I'd like to know. You Google it. You Google it more, don't you? Because I remember when I was again with the U.S. elections and also with Brexit, the whole thing about the algorithms. You know, you click on one. I want to remain in the EU article. And they go, oh, you're a remainer. But then, then you, you don't realise that actually then everything on Facebook, yeah. and then, you know, when you go into Gmail and you get in adverts, mm -hmm. it's yeah. all pro-EU. Mm -hmm. And I guess that if you were someone that didn't want to stay in the EU, you're getting all that as well. Yeah. So, and it, and it, the same with the US. So you have to be mindful of that and then go, actually, I've got to check myself. Mm. Is it true? And I, I do try and do that. But then whatever you're reading on Google, it's somebody else's opinion. It's, that's yeah. what news doesn't, is. Doesn't, yeah. that, doesn't that make traditional... Like, or mainstream news hmm. even more important because that's the traditional thing. Like anyone can be a broadcaster, and in fact, anyone can, you know, kind of have a perspective or whatever, or push stuff out. But it's it, it's about raising awareness about what the process is, what the processes are behind the established news outlets like yeah. BBC, like Sky, like whatever it might be. Like hmm. what the processes behind are, yeah. so people know the difference between something where it's been fact. Yeah, everything's fact-checked, all our guests are vetted, and we're not going to let somebody on yeah. as a soapbox. So, you know, I get a lot of abuse, mainly through social media, for 
arguing the opposite opinion to a guest. And often, I mean, I stop now, but often I have to tweet them and go, don't you get it? It's my job to argue against what they're saying. It's not my personal opinion. It's none of your business what my personal opinion. My personal opinion stays outside the glass box studio. It doesn't come in. In fact, sometimes I'm not even sure what my opinion is. I'm so busy arguing different things. But that, that is my job, and it really annoys me when people go, oh, you're, you're a Remainer, or you hate Donald Trump, or you, this, you, you don't know what my opinion is. Whatever that person there is saying to me, I have to argue vehemently against it. It's like Susanna Reid getting all the stick for not disagreeing with Piers Morgan as often as she should in everyone's Yeah, opinion. I mean, that's a whole different yeah. thing. That, that, yeah, that's a whole different thing. I just wanted to, like, swerve the conversation a tiny bit, because I think... Fake news and credible, well-respected journalism is something, you know, something to be applauded, amazing news institutions. We're incredibly lucky um, to be in this country where we have the BBC, The Guardian, Sky, The Telegraph and many other news sources. In the that US, are they, they set their stall accordingly, and don't we're, they? We're, we're unbiased. We're very, very lucky. But just to play a little bit of devil's advocate, and because it's badass, um, <laughs> wings are... I'm going to put it out there that I don't think that mainstream media was serving women that well. And I'm really glad that Refinery, for example, exists to, to, to challenge some of that. I don't think we serve them very well on diversity. I don't think we serve them very well on body positivity, on inclusivity. I think that, we, that mainstream media has at points not served women. And I think it's brilliant that now there are lots of places where we're more represented and where lots of different issues are represented that maybe aren't the kind of issues that are going to get written up in... The Telegraph or make it on to, to Sky News. And so actually I think having lots of choice is really fantastic for um, our audiences and it's up to all of us to make our own um, to make our own judgments and do our own research. So I think there's pros and cons to everything. Who agrees with choice? Do you, do you then make your choices about where you go based on sort of based on what you know that brand or that publication stands for. Can I just add, I think, because you're doing content and news, right? And mm -hmm. so it's content adds to the depth of different opinions, mm -hmm. different things that may not be newsworthy, and that's brilliant. But what I think is the missing thing is people's understanding of what the difference, difference is. is yeah. Between, yeah, exactly. You know, content between, say, kind of content, opinion, and, like, actually fact-check totally. news. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And totally. especially for the younger generation, who haven't only kind of grown up going, these are your four choices, yeah, I that's a really important missing piece. I totally agree, and I think there's a massive difference between opinion and news. I think there's a massive um, difference between a feature and a news story. There, there's lots of different... Um, that, that, that's an excellent point. I guess all I was saying was that when we think about the media in the broadest sense, news and the reporting of news is one element that makes up the media diet mm -hmm. that we all consume, and that mainstream media actually can mean lots of different things, mm -hmm. and that we shouldn't mistake having lots of different platforms and lots of different places as something that means that that, that that has all eroded trust and eroded accuracy and representation. In fact, in lots of ways, I think it's brought it back. I wanted to pick up on your point about women's quotes, women's media. Yes. Do we still need women's media? Should it not just be media? Nat, what do you think? <sighs> what, what did that not mean? <laughs> <laughs> um... So I'm saying yes, because I've worked in newsrooms, and I've, I've said this on the show and previously, you go in, and it may, it, it may have changed, but the conversation, the planning conversation is dominated by men. Um, the presenter sometimes gets to, to chip in 
well, the presenter gets to say, I think this, this and this. Everyone else is quiet and usually there's, you know, there's a good proportion of women there. Those women, when I was doing it, rarely got into senior positions. Um, you know, they were never the last names on, on the creds um, as things rolled. So I, I left journalism, but I thought there is definitely, a, considering how much of the population we are, there is a place for media that caters to us, that has a conversation with us based on what we think, how we feel, how we consume information. It's, it's, it's different. Um, I think media that recognises our diversity, uh, media that recognises that we don't always want to be sold beauty products, forget today, but uh, sold beauty <laughs> products and bombarded with, with bodies. Um, so I do think there's a place for content that talks and speaks to women specifically, but I would like to get to a place where actually more women are in leadership positions across the media. Their names are last on the creds. Um, and they are making decisions and, and leading those editorial conversations. Harry, you worked for the BBC and now for Stylist. Do people treat you differently now that you're not like hard news, you're women's media? Yeah, 100%. And actually, I completely agree with what you're saying. I think there really is a place for women's media. I think at Stylist, we see a news story and we think, what's the, what's the women's interest? And obviously, every news story doesn't have a woman's interest. You know, we can't be take it to the extreme. But... There are a lot of stories that we can expand upon that we perhaps couldn't in a way that, you know, when I was at the BBC, there wasn't, you know, it's like rolling news, you've got a very kind of limited tight schedule. Um, I think having gone from the BBC to Stylist, people think I've gone light, um, which is fine. They can think what they want. You know, that's, I don't have a problem with people's opinions on, you know, that. But I think, I think bringing the kind of hardest side of kind of intersectionality or, um, you know, we're talking about kind of sex trafficking or whatever the news story is, that kind of harder news. We cover all of that as stylists. There's not a kind of, we do the light stuff too because, you know, women enjoy reading about fashion and beauty. Some women do. I do. Um, and it's nice to have both of those. And it's nice to say, you know, it's nice to say you're not either this or you're that. You know, you're either this readership that likes fashion or you're hard news. You can be both. And I think that's what kind of working for stylists has brought to me. You know, I'm not saying I didn't love the BBC. I loved working there, but it's kind of, able to really focus on that scope which as you say you know quote mainstream media isn't necessarily doing and it's perhaps because they're not able to you know if you look at the headlines recently it's absolutely mad <laughs> yeah I mean there's no space to do any you know kind of to get that feminist story or whatever into the into the headlines the bulletins is this woman who had 150,000 people sign a petition because she refused to wear high heels then it gets to that point but at Stylist, we're able to kind of cover those more grassroots things and really bring them to the fore, and eventually then they can go on to mainstream media. So I think there's sort of an intermediary there, and that's... You just say it's light. You've gone, you know, the assumption is because you've gone to a female-only publication, <coughs> it's light. Now, the Stylist, for me, covers lots of different topics, mm. you know, and, yeah, it's a bit like, would you say that if you'd gone to... If a guy got from the BBC to say GQ, would that have been seen as a light move, maybe? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I think it's like the, you know, we, we're fulfilling a really kind of clear um, purpose. And light, it's the opposite of light. You know, we, we're like optimistic activists. We're working every single day to represent our audience. And women, you know, we talk to young women you know 
do women need their own media? Do young people need their own? Well, I, I don't. I and don't is really it just considered light because it's aimed at women? Yeah. Mm. I, I wouldn't. I just wouldn't ever consider us to be light, yeah. and I wouldn't consider yeah. stylists to be light. I'd consider us to be yeah. relevant, and I'd consider us to be needed, and I'd consider us mm -hmm. to be representative of the people we talk to, and that we sit alongside a host of other amazing news organisations yeah. because. I would never assume that a Refinery29 reader wouldn't also go to Stylist, mm -hmm. wouldn't watch your show, wouldn't listen mm -hmm. to the Badass Women's Project. Actually, I think and I understand that all of our audiences, all the people we speak to, have really rich, varied media diets yeah. because of digital. Yeah. That's wicked. That's amazing. That's really brilliant. So we use our platform and we encourage everyone else to kind of find theirs. Thank you. We're going to come out to questions now. So I think if you have a question, hands up, let me know and I will come to you. I know that we have one down here. Thank you. <laughs> this isn't about Beckham. This is it's, 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 it's following on from what you're saying. I think um, women's media is needed. My background's in women's media and magazines, and I started writing about 24 years ago for them. And I think what's needed in them, because I think they're quite anti-women, mm -hmm. so I think what's needed there is diversity from the top down there. Um, case in point, I wrote a piece for a magazine um, about not having children. And it was sub. We were talking about the, 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 sub, the, the, the subbing hell that you go through as a writer. And um, it was subbed, and stupidly for them, they sent me the sub version before publishing it. And someone had deemed fit to put in a, a sentence that I'd written with my name, my photo, about not having children, saying, I feel like I'm a failure. Wow. Oh, well, guess yeah. what? I don't. And I didn't say that. And I think if a woman in a high power posi position in a magazine, puts that out for a seeming aspirational yeah. magazine, that's disgusting. Can I ask when that, when that was? That was for Grazia. You oh no, I wasn't no, asking that. For dates? Can we go that bit? Because I think really? actually a lot, I think, I know it sounds really recent, but, and I don't, you know, I can't speak for Grazia. I know that sounds really recent, but I think so much has changed in that time. And I, I'm not denying, I think that's disgraceful. I think that's, um, With respect, I, I don't think that would happen now. I think there's been a real change yeah, in the way yeah. the media react to women. I've just been asked to write um, a piece because there is so much, I mean, you know, I'm in my 30s. I won't tell you whereabouts. <laughs> I'm in my 30s now and I'm single and I don't have children and people find that absolutely mm. fascinating. Don't know why loads of us are in that situation <laughs> yeah. and it yeah. doesn't bother me and I keep getting asked in interviews about my fertility, about my love life and I'm now doing a big piece for a women's magazine about the fact that, you know, it's okay, I'm not bothered about having children and people are more bothered about the fact that I'm not bothered yeah. than I am. And it's okay to be single, I'm really happy being single. seems to be a bit, of a bit of a PS, and I do think as well there seems to be a kind of a, a kind of white middle class woman that seems to be at the top of all these magazines and that have the kind of cupcake frosting mentality. Yeah. And if you're not, if that isn't your aspiration, they don't quite get you. Yeah, they're living out their fantasy. Honestly, like, what I, just, I would I say is I think it is, so, a, the magazine that we won't mention, but you already have. I do know somebody <laughs> who's written for them in the last year, and her advice is always, by all means, pitch, pitch them any story you like, but be prepared to do the sad face photo shoot that they always require for all those stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is true when you look through. Um, but the other thing is, I retweeted a tweet the other day, and it was um, in the news this week. Uh, no, hang on. In style this month, L heels, Vogue, uh, tuxedo jacket, Teen Vogue, Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue. Communism, yeah. Yeah. feminism, yeah. anti-establishmentism <laughs> and activism. <laughs> and so I think that's changing. I, so the, the refinery, let's talk about what, you know, what, we're, what we're seeing. We, we are seeing an explosion in the popularity of our news content. Mm. 
we just did a partnership with Getty where we launched a whole archive of images called the No Apologies Collection. They were images of plus-size women. They were also images of women from every uh, diverse background um, around themes like sex, health, career. We are unapologetically fighting against that. Our star guide, our sub-guide, has extensive guidelines, including things like you can't assume the uh, nature, if you're writing about a relationship, don't assume the um, sexual preference. So we don't write, oh my god, if you and your boyfriend are sitting at home, absolutely not. We don't write about like sun-kissed skin, because actually that's not relevant to most of our audience. We are really, really challenging ourselves and the entire industry to get to that standard, and I think what we see is that we're rewarded by our audiences. And I, I actually think a lot of women's media is working incredibly hard to evolve and to represent. Because I think representation is really, really what this is about in terms of building an audience. Lady here and then we'll go up there. Yes, thank you. Um, I've done the sad face photos. <laughs> <laughs> you do get a lovely makeover. <laughs> <laughs> it was black and white as well. Oh, no! <laughs> Sort of slightly on that, and also something else that we touched upon before is that actually, I find myself apologising a lot for consuming lighter stuff, mm -hmm. and actually, I love it. Mm. I really love it, and and I'm almost like actually, I I actively go on the sidebar of shame. But do you think my question is, do you think that we're so focused on we should be you know the team Vogue, yeah, well done team Vogue, communism, but actually, should we stop apologising for liking light stuff? You know, men and women actually. You know, it's okay for men to go on Lab Bible and go, oh, look, some new grooming products, and women to go, oh, I like those shoes, or I am going to look at those people in the bikinis and perhaps compare myself and then wish I hadn't. But <laughs> should we stop apologising for, for the lighter stuff? I should think we should stop calling it light. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. like, I don't think Good fashion point. is light. I think fashion yeah. is art. I think fashion is self-representation. I think beauty is self-representation. I think the idea that it's been branded as, you know, quote, light content is that's a problem in itself. You know, what's light about that and not light about, you know, watching football that has more, you know, viewing figures than any other thing that women do. Yeah. I think that's where we kind of need to start and think celebrating these things, these kind of female interest things. And, yeah, and inclusive. You can, yeah, absolutely. It, do what you want. Follow, yeah. read the stories that inspire you. I'm interested. Arsenal Football Club, the Kardashians, yeah. and Global News. Perfect. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's true, right? And, and that's how I live my life. That's how you go. Like, I think that's how most people are. And when you go to the pub with your mates, if your mates are anything like mine, one will turn up and he'll say, oh, my God, I love your handbag. Where did you get that? The next one's like, oh, my boss is such a nightmare. Like, I didn't get this promotion. Where did you get that? The next one's like, I cheated on my boyfriend or I did something. That's life. That's a women's life. Yeah. Our interests are rich and complex and amazing and we should be demanding the media caters to that. We had this conversation earlier. We should we should stop apologising for liking what we like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's it. our brain, it's our space, it's our time. I think the one thing that we, and I was going to say should, we've, we've got a policy around trying not to say should. The one thing that I think it's important to do in the time that we're in is to make sure that we're informed about the world and what is going on so that something that, that affects our lives and other people like us, it doesn't sort of slide in through the back door, hit us in the face before it's too late to do anything about it. Um, but like what you like and enjoy it. What, just I'm just going to pause this there because I'm aware of time right. and we've got a couple of questions at the back, so yes. Should we take them in batches? So, <laughs> um, Harry, you just mentioned um, football and I was talking about women in media. I don't know anything about football, don't <laughs> <I>? <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's a real problem with representation of women in sport, and I have to admit immediately I know nothing about sport, but that is not because I'm a woman. Um, you know, stylists had a whole campaign about celebrating women in sport, you know, just two years ago, and I think we saw recently at the Olympics women kind of really taking home all the kind of medals and really celebrating themselves. We had that Chinese swimmer who said, you know, I'm on my period, so I didn't do that great. And, you know, there's a real... I think this is really building up. I think there needs to be a lot more representation of women in sport. Who's to say women don't like football? You know, that's ridiculous. The idea that it's become encompassed in this kind of male sphere is absurd. And I think, for sure, we need to start picking up on these things, and not just on football, kind of STEM subjects, you know, all kind of traditionally male subjects. They're not male. Yep. You know, men and women like the same things. And I think... And that I think needs that's to be spoken about more. For traditional mainstream, whatever we call it, media, <laughs> for actually only employing male reporters on <laughs> sports. That's like that's why all the sports representation is male. It was all the reporters are male. Yeah, I mean, as somebody who worked for Sky Sports first year, yeah. the best part of ten years, um, they are trying to change things. And women's sport, it's from the grassroots up. You know, we put a lot of women's sport <coughs> on TV at Sky Sports. It's not getting the viewing figures compared to men. And you know. A lot of men will go to me, well, why aren't you watching women's football? Why are you watching Tottenham this weekend? Well, I've always supported Tottenham, and I'm watching them this weekend. I'm just choosing not to watch the women's game. And it's okay to say that you like to watch male sport rather than women's sport. But it does start with grassroots up, and it's going to take a few years for TV audiences to match grassroots. The two will grow together. It's just going to take time. That's all it is, and that's you know why a lot of media gets bashed for not covering the women's game more. It's because, you know... They sometimes do struggle for viewing figures, but we will get there eventually, definitely. But, you know, interestingly, as stylists, we made a real point of covering the women's successes at the Olympics, and the Olympics wasn't something that stylist readers necessarily would automatically go to. They had but some great role They models. were really, yeah, lapping this content up, and I think we need to acknowledge that women are interested in that, and like you say, kind of, it's our job to push it as much as we can until it reaches that level. Okay, thank you. Yes. Should we have quotas on media? Let's yes and no straight down the line. Uh, Emma, what do you think? Well, I'm always yes to quotas to fast-track change, because I think until you have the people there, stuff doesn't change. So I'm a yes to quotas. Yeah. Kate? No, I think, I think we've got to um, be able to kind of... Um, we're not here to kind of tell media you have to do this or you have to do that. I think it's really important that representation of women and the issues that we care about is in the media, but... I think there's lots of places that our audiences can connect with that. I'm a bit torn on this one because my gut says, you know, yes. I think, you know, actually, my gut says no. It's, you know, equality, you know, people should be kind of judged on, you know, how good they are at a certain thing and, and that should be it, you know, quotas in Parliament, quotas on, you know, the telly, quotas in newspaper, newspapers. But I have to say, it's been so long, you know, it's, yeah. change isn't happening and I think if quotas are going to kickstart that a bit, then I, I think that might be the way forward just for a while. And you're not kind of ridiculous, unrealistic. We're not putting, you know, women in roles just for the sake of it, but really saying you have to be held accountable for the lack of diversity. And not just women, you know, diversity in general, I think there should be quotas for. We make the assumption yeah, I mean, that all the people there are there because they're the best at the job mm. and they're not there. They're there because of mates and unconscious bias. Like, so, yeah. Hold that thought. Now. I'm a no because I'm for ownership. And I'm for voting with your feet. So yeah. if they don't let you in, set up your own. 
50% of the population don't spend your money there. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm a yes in terms of I think we need to um, help it along until it becomes second nature. On my programme, whenever we get guests, I'm always like, where's the female voice? Yeah. And not just because I want a woman on there, but I'm like, I'm sure we can get a female guest that can make that point just as valid. Get me a female voice. And I always try to have a 50-50 split. And until that becomes second nature, I will keep pushing that. Uh, <laughs> 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 I was just wondering, when you guys were talking about mainstream media and the relationship between that and the diversity of platforms and things like that, HuffPost is one of the first places to really change that up by having bloggers. Do you think that one of the biggest problems we have in terms of sources as well is that we've lost the distinction between a blogger, an activist, a writer and a journalist? Mm -hmm. I just wondered what you thought about that. Mm -hmm. I quite like that. You know, everyone's a journalist now. I mean, obviously, that's mildly terrifying as a journalist. <laughs> Someone comes in and they can do your job, you know, quite easily from their own WordPress account. But, um, you know, and often, weirdly, I get a bit frustrated and I commission people and they'll say, here's my blog. And I'll say, this is not actually a blog. You know, it's an op-ed and it's going on the front page of our website. But sure, I think it is important <laughs> that, that we let everyone speak. There shouldn't be this kind of elitism, you know. It's like you were saying, there's, there was this kind of bubble, this media bubble, and no one could penetrate mm -hmm. it. I think now, while well, you've got the, we keep saying mainstream media, there's those know, kind of voices. You've got the kind of established institutions. Terrified now. And, you know, those... Those places, you know, you can kind of trust and you can go to, but I don't think there should be any sort of, you can't say it, you're not, you don't have a journalism MA, or you can't say it, you, you know, only have a WordPress account, or you're only on Twitter. Everyone's opinion is valid, and I think also the, the idea that everyone is a journalist now, the idea that people can react directly to our work, makes us, A, more accountable, B, sort of more nervous almost when we press publish is this exactly yeah. what we're saying exactly. you know has yeah. this been subbed with an interest like do I think this you know it can be so easy to think I've got to get a piece of content out here's my opinion piece throw it out and then five minutes later think oh wait a minute I'm not sure that's actually my opinion you know I just wanted to get a bit of content out that's so important that we don't do that and those kind of bloggers or tweet you know social media activists are kind of bringing the rest of people up it's kind of bringing everyone to account and I think you know I think that's only a good thing Last question. Who wants it? Can I make a statement? Yes, lady here. She was very first. You can make a statement, yes, but we won't respond to it because we don't have time. <laughs> first of all, I was in art school in the 70s when we first discovered feminism. <laughs> what I'm very excited about is that this room is continued that legacy. But what was really interesting on the march, so many with internet posts, we still have to talk about this shit. <laughs> yeah. No. I like it. Or hilarious or whatever, 
and that when a man writes a first person piece, it's seen as like a sort of wittier side to yeah. his, his normal job of <laughs> writing really investigative features. And I just wondered whether you, where you sort of stood on that. So I think it's a good thing to, for empathy and to see allies and that sort of thing, but it, it, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Very, uh, very quickly. Bustle famously sends its would-be writers a checklist. Have you ever been dumped? Do you have an eating disorder? What was your last boyfriend like? Yeah. Famously, a checklist, and you have to tick. Would you do that at Refinery Twenty Nine? <laughs> no. What um, does Refinery Twenty Nine think about confessional journalism? I'm incredibly proud to work for an organisation that has told stories that have made me laugh and cry and question and think um, from the community of freelancers we work with to our editor-in-chief um, Christine Barbaric who wrote one of the most incredible essays I've ever written about her um, fertility journey something that I a piece of writing that I will never ever forget to a story about having a family member um, attempt suicide a story I will never forget and when we're talking about from different perspectives, a Mother's Day last year, we published um, little s moments of, wouldn't say it's an essay, it wasn't long enough, but moments of um, <coughs> men talking about, about their mothers. So I, I, I think first person journalism is magical. It's not the only thing we do. It's some of the work that I would say has, you know, made me shed a tear at my desk. And, and I'm, I'm not in editorial, I'm very boring, I write emails and do business stuff. Um, those are the stories that I walk away thinking, God, I'm so glad I work here. So, for me, yes. Harriet, do you think it's more of a female thing? It's hard Are to follow that. It's <laughs> <laughs> true, right? You have that as well. You guys yeah, do exactly. first Yeah, pieces. exactly. We do a stylist, you know, and, and actually, um, not <coughs> you know, one of our freelancers wrote kind of widely about having suffered miscarriage recently, and not just it's miscarriage, amazing. but five miscarriages. Yeah. And this is a story that kind of, like you say, it kind of almost shakes you, just feel chills when you read it. And I think, obviously, miscarriage is specifically a female um, problem in this case. But um, I think opening up your soul and saying, here's my experience, you're not alone, is such a kind of powerful thing that the media can do. Um, I don't think we should criticise that. I think we should celebrate it. Um, and I think we should encourage much more men to do it too. I don't think it should just be a female exactly. thing at all. Sarah Jane, yay, nay. Because you were not, like, you were a bit like, mm, I'm I mean, not. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get. It's not something I would want to do. Yeah. Um, I, in the job I do, I'm very detached from the stories. Mm. I can't be very personal on the news. And uh, since getting a quite a big job in comparison yeah. to what I had before, I have been asked to do a lot of first-person pieces about. You know, I once had a stalker, so they wanted me to write a first-person. A piece about a stalker, but that was something that I didn't even really talk to my family very much about yeah. because it was a quite a scary time, and I lived away from them, and I didn't want to worry. So all those kind of things, it just felt too private, and I wasn't comfortable doing it. Again, being asked to write about fertility or you know anything personal, it doesn't sit comfortably with me. And I've been asked to do so many articles for women's magazines and you know what have you, and I've just said no, it doesn't sit comfortably with me. So I think it is up to that journalist. If you're the kind of journalist where you have a passion and you have a story to tell, and like you said, it makes somebody mm. feel better or, you know, helps them through something, then, you know, it's great. You know, some of those stories are incredible to read, but for me personally as a journalist, it's, 
there's been nothing that's happened to me that I would feel comfortable sharing mm. with the world. There's a big difference between being asked to do something mm. and wanting a platform. Yeah, which feeling you can passionate say enough yeah. to I help other people. people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Finding the platform. I'm afraid we're going to have to end it there because we're out of time, but we will be next door for drinks. But before we go, we always like our panel to share the one thing they think you can do this week to be more badass. Uh, so we're going to start down that end this time. Oh, are you? Okay. This way. Emma, you're up. Yeah. Uh, trust. Um, oh, what was it? My hair <laughs> ran earlier. That champagne has knocked me off my ear. It was about knowing your, uh, like, having confidence in your ability to do something, basically. Believe That's you been can my. Do it. Believe that you can do it. Like, to hunt, dial it up because. Yeah, I've been under dialing mine, and that's been my lesson this week. Nice. So that's dial annoying. yours up, please. <laughs> it's never been more important to be optimistic. Um, I'm going to borrow from someone else's um, ideology and and say, um, you know, it's I don't shine if you don't shine. Celebrate the people around you. This was Anne Friedman from the Cut. Um, she wrote about shine theory. I don't know if any of you guys yeah, have heard yeah. of it, but yeah. yeah, I think we should all kind of live our lives yeah. in that way and think the people around us who are talented, beautiful, intelligent, you know, we should celebrate them and and you know bring each other up. So, if something frustrates you, fix it or attempt to fix it or challenge it. Um, and mine would probably be, it's going to sound really sceptical and cynical, yeah. question everything. And I, don't mean, <laughs> I don't mean in an aggressive way. Don't trust way. anyone. <laughs> I don't mean don't trust anyone, but just question everything. Yeah. The, you know, the great yeah. part of my job is I get to ask why. And, you know, I think everybody <coughs> should apply that. And I'm not just talking about fake news. I'm just asking about life in general. Just find out more about stuff. Just ask questions. Yeah, great. Great point to end on. Thank you very much. <laughs> 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 because actually you don't, it's not even money for the media, it's time and attention. Mm. Yeah. So think about where you put that because you determine what then survives. And thirdly, the greatest lesson in all life is always gratitude. So first of all, a massive thank you to our fabulous panel. <laughs> also, a huge thank you to our wonderful sponsors. We couldn't do any of this without them and we love them. The W London. <laughs> Huge round of applause for yourselves for coming tonight. Please come and join us for drinks next door. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. We have a request to make of you because we give you all this stuff for free, so we need something back in return. Now, what do we want? We want reviews. <laughs> Fabulous ones, please. And if you're being mean, none. And when do we want them? Now! <laughs> yes, we do. Emma, what is your demand of our listeners? We want subscribers. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your boyfriend, tell your, I don't know, your, I don't know, everybody. Your dog. Tell your dog. Tell your dog. Your yes. dog's going to love it. Yes, yeah. everybody. Subscribe. Subscribe, review, tell your friends, and make sure you show us the love. Come follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the details in our bio, or use the hashtag BAWH. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 